Welcome to How to Split a Toaster, a divorce podcast about saving your relationships from True Story FM. Today, when do you leave your toaster? Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm Seth Nelson, and I'm here with my good friend, Pete Wright. Today, we're taking on the biggest question of the separation. Should I stay or should I go? To help, we have the host of the New York Times recommended podcast, The Divorce Survival Guide Podcast, a certified coach with over a decade's worth of experience helping women with children in particular making this decision for themselves. Kate Anthony, welcome to The Toaster. Thanks so much for having me, guys. This is going to be a great conversation. I think I want to start with what I imagine is the most important question for us. How does one become a New York Times recommended podcast on divorce? I I honestly have no idea. <laughs> they suddenly I get an email saying, "Hey, we're doing this this, you know, lineup of pandemic podcasts, which is hilarious that they yes. included the the, you know, divorce uh podcast in the in their lineup and number one pandemic related activity for couples. hundred <laughs> percent, right? Mm, how much did it go up? Like fifty-three <laughs> percent? Rough year, everybody. Rough year. Really <laughs> good year for us, but really rough year for those out there. Well, it was a great year for me. I yeah. loved it. <laughs> right? I've started a chemical lab oh, to create no. another virus. Oh, <laughs> Don't no. blame it on China. As with, blame as it on with the most weird things. Things. It started in Tampa. Okay. <laughs> Florida man oh, accused. Florida. Oh, come on. <laughs> Seriously, uh, we're delighted to have you here, uh, Kate. This is just great. And uh, I've been listening to your show and love what you do. And I, I think we'll start with the question on all of our minds, especially uh, me and Seth as the uh, two men on the show. Why are men so messed up? Oh, my God. <laughs> Not that we want to make this a terribly gendered show, but this is kind of your bailiwick. That it kind of, it, I guess it is, right? I mean, listen, I love men. I love men, um, and I and I want so much more for them than they seem to get in our society and our culture, right? And it's not. I don't know that it's that men are messed up. It's that society is, has told men that the ways to get unmessed up, <laughs> right, are not for them, right? So, like, I, we want you to be in therapy and in coaching and to do all of these things to work on your shit. So, men are really taught by uh, the patriarchy, by, by our culture, that they're not allowed to go to therapy, that if they do, they're like, you know, pussies, they should, you know, man up and just handle it, suck it up, deal, and it's left this sort of gaping hole. I think in the last probably two decades, um, we've had this real sort of upswing in personal development where, you know, therapy is so much more readily available to every, you know, almost everybody. And now we have online platforms that really are trying to make it accessible to everybody. Um, we have coaching. We have all of these personal development programs available. And so much of it, is consumed by women. Oh, absolutely, Kate. I see it all the time when you just look at the search divorce podcast. It's all women helping women. There's very few male voices out there. Right. And so there's this gap, right? And it's a it's widening. 
it's widening and it's widening. And, you know, 69% of divorces are initiated by women. And I saw, I heard a really shocking statistic about this recently that 25% of those have actually been to marriage counseling. And I have, I'm, that's, that just completely blows my mind. And, but six, the, but those 69% of women have been asking for so long. So, you know, well, that's one of your podcasts, right? And now he's going to go to therapy. Right. It is one of my podcast episodes because then what happens is right. we break up with them or we leave them and then they're like, wait, 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 hold on a minute. Now I'll go to therapy. And the problem is that women are, when women are done, we're done. Like right. you've never seen something so done <laughs> as a woman who's done. <laughs> right. Well, I'll tell you, you, you've touched on a little thing that I've teach my 17 year old son, I tell him two things. I said, one, I love men too. And he looked at me crazy. Like, are you about to tell me that you're gay dad, which is fine and nothing wrong with that, but you have your girlfriend. I'm a little confused. I said, no, because men set the bar so low. Mm -hmm. A guy like me can look good in front of women. <laughs> like there's some basic things that I can do <laughs> that are really simple. Right. And it makes it super easy. And the other thing is that we talk about this all the time. And my girlfriend gives me points for this. I never defend the male race. I just say there's sometimes exceptions to the rule. Because generally speaking, I think guys just get it wrong based on what you're saying with the patriarchy and how you got to man up and you got to be tough and got to be the, the provider. And there's all these societal pressures that women are not assigning those roles to men now and the men are still trying to fit into that role and it's just not working and we're doing so much more now you know as women like the emotional labor the mental load like all of that stuff is real and we're exhausted and we really mm -hmm. want partnership like we crave it we just want partnership we want you to step up we want you to go to therapy and deal with your trauma and like yeah i know it's hard but like you know cry me a river <laughs> doing it too so that we can have a healthy happy relationship like isn't that what we want? But I have heard a number of men say, I would rather get divorced than go to therapy. And that is really? so... Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're scared. I think they're wow. scared. I don't think they would admit that they're scared, but I think they're scared. I think they're terrified, which makes sense. I get it. It is scary. It is. Yeah, but really, like... Really? I know. <laughs> You'd rather lose your entire family. I swear. I swear. I've heard this more than once. They'd rather lose their entire family. And here's the thing. Someone will actually come out and say it, right? They'll come out and say, like, yeah, I would rather get divorced and lose my entire family than go to therapy. I'd, I'd rather set myself on fire than get divorced at this, especially after like seasons of this podcast. Like I, it, it is unfathomable to me. Yeah. I tell Pete how awful divorce litigation is. So he's staying married no matter what now. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm definitely fine. Yes, exactly. <laughs> wow, it's, that's uh, interesting. This, this fear of therapy is a really interesting concept to me, right? Why, why is it so hard for men to look inside, right? Rather than just become indignant and just kind of, you know, stonewall it. And I feel like some of this is the echoes of toxicity that live in all of us. Absolutely. That some of these habits are incredibly hard to break, even if we're not overtly toxic in our behavior. 
it's it, some of these are are generations old behaviors that we're trying to un, untether. Listen, and it's hard work and it's scary and it's exhausting and it, you know, it can it can tear you to shreds like it's a it can be a Pandora's box. And I get yeah. it like it is it is hard or they don't see the need or they had a really, really, really bad therapist once. Yeah. And they have genuine concern and we still have to do this work if we want to have healthy relationships right because we we each come to the relationship with with a bunch of baggage that we may be conscious or unconscious of and we got to unpack that shit yeah. We have to. Otherwise, like the two pieces, they don't like just look when we first start dating, we're like, oh, look, we just fit so perfectly together. And all of that, like, right. Like, that's not true. Because <laughs> yeah. then over, over time, we're like, oh, look, this doesn't actually fit as well as I thought. Well, and I guess it gets back to this, just this question on your point, which is that, you know, how many marriages begin to dissolve because it's easy for the traditionally male partner to uh, become complacent in routine, right? And change, yes. doing the work, showing up, getting, you know, figuring out how to get out of the day-to-day -day buckle shuffle of leave, go to work, drive around, do the job, come home, expect dinner, eat dinner, some of the traditional roles, or just doing maybe the males coming home and cooking dinner and doing those things. But the routine is incredibly difficult to break. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Right. Well, that's the other thing is like, when does a groove become a rut? Mm -hmm. Like, hey, we're in a right. groove, things are going well, and now it's a rut. We've yeah. been doing the same yeah. thing. We've had every date night for Wednesday nights, and we're doing the same date. Yeah. Can't we do something different? But yeah. for a while, it's like, whoa, we got date night. Right. Right. And yeah. even when it works, like, can I, can I talk about sex for a minute? I don't know why what? I have this. Like, I'm sorry, would you? Why do you whisper? Kate, would you please <laughs> talk about sex for a minute? So, well, like... <laughs> Hold on. Hold I'm sorry, on. I'm going to take, take smoking back up now. I, I don't know why this just popped into my head, but I think this groove to a rut thing is relevant. Like, I remember going <laughs> dating this guy. Great guy. Um, and we had really, really, really good sex. Like, probably some of the best sex I've ever had. But it was always the same. And it was, but it was very efficient. Very efficient. <laughs> like, he's the kind of guy that when he learns to cook a steak and perfects the art of cooking a steak, that is how he cooks a steak from here to eternity. Yeah. So very efficient in the sex department. You know, really learned how to cook my steak. And... <laughs> I'm sorry, like, I have to write down the title of our show. <laughs> <laughs> Cooking steak with how Kate Anthony. I thought it was going to be when a groove becomes a rut. Now that's out. <laughs> so you get my point, right? Anyway. And that's when the groove becomes the rut. It's like, it's yeah. good, but like, uh, it's yeah. boring. Uh, it right. doesn't work anymore. Anyway, okay. I well, I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. A, a, a subtle chill has come over the room. Thanks for tuning in to How to Split a Toaster, a divorce podcast about Kate Anthony's former sex life. <laughs> Listen, Unrelated, her former partner is actually holding workshops at www. <laughs> Look, I have this. I, I, I want to pivot uh, because, and I think the please time is right. Pivot, please uh, pivot. Right, right on your website, you have these four questions, and I wonder if 
we could just walk through them very quickly. And, and I'd like both of your perspectives, one from the, the, the divorce attorney and one from the coach. Here we are. Mm-hmm. Number one, am I giving up too soon? Now, in the context of this, you know, uh, groove becomes a rut, that question's really important. How do you know when it's time to move? Well, I would say that, you know, for women in particular, right, we've been usually agonizing over this question for so long. And we tend to think that there's just one more thing we haven't tried. There's one magic bullet and we just haven't quite found what it is, right? And if that's sort of your thinking, then it's probably time. Right. If you're if if you've tried everything, you think you've tried everything, but then you're scared that like, but if I stop now, that one thing that was going to change everything is just on the other side of that bend in the road. It's not. It's not. So that's how I would answer that. OK, Seth, if you're talking to a lawyer, <laughs> it's time. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and okay. I'm not joking. No, I mean. I cannot tell you how many people have come to my office and when I ask them, is this something that you want to do? Are you sure you want to go down this path? And they'll waffle. Yes, no, maybe I'm still, I'm just getting information because things aren't good. I want to know what my rights are. What does this look like? And these are all legitimate, very well thought out. Someone's being prepared. I, I love these questions. They're, they're great. And you need the answers to these questions. The question I ask back is, do you want to feel the way you feel now a year from now or two years from now? The answer is always no. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, then something has to change. And either you guys need to get that working in your marriage or you need to move on. So you guys, I think, have both answered the the next question, but if you have anything else to add, question is, is there one more thing? I should try. Right. That right. was, right. I that was that. the answer to the first right. question. No. Yeah. If you're, listen, people in healthy, happy marriages are not Googling, should I say or should I go and landing on my website at three o'clock in the morning? Mm-hmm. Right. So probably not. Okay. Seth, is that one more thing? Divorce? I think that there is no one more thing. It's, I'll ask them, have you done everything? Not what the other person done. Have you done everything? where you can lay your head on the pillow at night. And some of the answers I get will be shocking. It would be so much easier if he just hit me because yep. then I could leave. I hear it all the time. And I, and I will say, here, I'm going to repeat back what you just told me. You wish that you were a victim of domestic violence because that's what you need to leave a marriage. Wow. That's what that saying means. Yes. And to me, I'm like, if you're at that point, if those thoughts are in your head, it's okay to leave a guy that is a nice guy. Mm -hmm. It's okay, as Kate Anthony might say, to leave a guy that knows how to cook a steak one way. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But you don't have to have a reason to leave. That's right. If you are unhappy... If this relationship doesn't work for you, no matter what all the other people in your world are going to say, how can you leave him? He's a good provider. How can you leave? He's so good with the kids. You guys look so happy. None of that matters. It is what is inside of you. So if you are telling yourself, if only X would happen, then I could leave. There is no one more thing to try. 
That's right. I hear that same thing too. If I wish he would cheat, I wish he would hit me. So then I can, then I would feel like I can leave. And I think that this is a problem that women have is that we don't actually know that we have choice. Um, we don't know that we get to say, we don't feel free to make these choices for ourselves. Um, and, and by the way, I work with women who have been hit, who have been cheated on, and they're still struggling with the question just as much, if not more, than someone who's just not happy in a, in a marriage, right? Because then there's the cycle, there's, there's the abuse, there's, there's the emotional, psychological manipulation that goes along with all of that. It's not hitting and is not <laughs> sort of, um, it doesn't exist in a vacuum. There's a whole world it's of abuse happening. It's one part of their control. And it's, it's one it is, part of their control. It is one part of the control. And so, if you think that that would make things better in in a very weird twisted way that i that i do hear all the time but it won't it won't make it clearer it certainly would not make it clearer that relationship is far more complex well that lack of clarity i think is really important and it leads to the two grand fears right i'm i'm terrified to stay i'm terrified right. to leave mm-hmm. right i and and what are the things what are the knock on sort of behaviors that that erupt when you stay because you're terrified of leaving what I would tell you is on those behaviors is you start trying to adapt and explain and make excuses. And the reason people stay is because it's the default. They know what it feels like when they hear all the horror stories about divorce and divorce happens in clusters. So when they see their friend go through it, but they're a year or two out and now they're a different person, they've got their step back, they're, they're, the, the, the light is in their eyes again. Their face isn't like depressed. They're, they're, they're alive again. Then the, those friends will be like, there is something on the other side. But all they see is the fear of the divorce, the unknown. And they will believe things that are just not true because, oh, well, my spice says I'm not going to get in the kids. Or, you know, you had a DUI once, you'll never see your kids again. And then that's fear, right? That's a manipulation. That's fear. And that person will then stay. That's right. Yep. Totally agree. Totally agree with that. It's uh, the, the, (laughs) the manipulation that comes out that we believe, right? We believe those things. Like my, I hear it all the time in my Facebook group. I, I told my husband I wanted a divorce and he said that I wouldn't get custody of the kids or he said that I wouldn't get the house or he said that I would get, and I'm like, have you consulted with an attorney? Because <laughs> what he's saying is not tr- is not factually correct. And he's using this as another control and manipulation tactic. So get the facts, educate yourself, consult with an attorney, learn the, the laws in your state. Oh, there it is, Pete. Check your local jurisdiction. Check your local jurisdiction. <laughs> oh, I need a bell, you guys. I need yeah. a bell. Absolutely. Well, I play... You know, I jokingly call it a game with my clients when this happens. I say, okay, we're going to play a game. The game's called bullshit. <laughs> You're going to tell me what your spouse says, and I'm going to do a, flo- a quick analysis of Florida family law, and I'm going to tell you my legal analysis. Yep. And they'll say, <laughs> I had a DUI four years ago before the children were born. And he says, I'm never going to get my children again. Bullshit. Tell me what's next. And they catch on real quick on how this game is played. And once they can actually hear it, digest it, and realize when they are confronted with those types of statements, I tell them practice playing the game in your head. 
That's right. And then we'll we'll deal with the issues as they come up. I love that. Because this is how gaslighting works, right? This is how gaslighting works. It is to create a culture of perceived fear. Fear that, you know, if if we divorce, the kids are going to be totally screwed up. You can't leave me because you're going to destroy the kids, right? You can't leave me because you're, yeah, you're not trying hard enough or I'm not trying hard enough. I'm either failing my marriage... So by divorcing or I'm failing my life by leaving. And those are conditioned responses to to those sorts of behaviors. And they're all bullshit. And it is. It is. It is. You know, gaslighting is making you feel like you're the crazy one when you're having when you like look things up and you're having a rational, reasonable response to something. And someone tells you that you're crazy or that never happened or whatever. Right. And then you start to believe that you are the crazy one. And it's, I mean, I've experienced it myself. It's, it's horrifying. It's confusing. Kate, you immediately said when, when Pete said, does divorce always screw up your kids? You, you played my game and immediately said bullshit. So talk to us about that. What's your, what's your views on that? The research bears out that divorce doesn't screw up kids. How we do divorce screws up kids or can screw up kids. If you engage in a, you know, fairly amicable, you know, non-contentious, you know, somewhat collaborative divorce, and you center your children, if you really put your children at the center of everything, all your decisions, um, all of that, your your kid, you're not going to screw up your kids. If you consult with coaches and, you know, therapists and all of the things, that doesn't screw up kids. They will, in the short term, they'll be bummed. They will definitely be impacted. Of course they will. But will they go on to have long-term psychological damage and become drug addicts and drop out of high school? Like, no. The research shows that the kids that end up with those long-term impacts are the kids that were put in the middle of nasty, bitter litigations that were, that were used as pawns and that were, you know, really sort of destroyed in the process. And these, you know, they have parents who are putting their anger before their kids. I mean, it's a, it's a whole sort of soup of what, what ends up happening. Right. And that's what I tell clients, right? Love your kid more than you hate your ex. That's right. Absolutely. I always say, put your kids at the center, not in the middle. That's what you got to do. That's, that's what you got to do. You're doing that. And only, and you know, and it's possible for only one of you to be doing that, right? The other thing that people say to me all the time is, but I'm divorcing a narcissist. He's abusive. Like if I stay, then I can like, you know, mitigate and I can control and I can, and I can help protect my kids. And what I say to that is, um, bullshit that when you stay in an abusive relationship like that, what you're doing is condoning it. You're not protecting them from anything. They see everything. They are still impacted by it. If you leave, you create a safe environment for them, even if it's only 50% of the time, even if it's only 25% of the time, they have somewhere safe to go where they can fully express themselves, where they are taught that that is not okay. If they stay, that's the reality they live in, right? This 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 abuse is the air that they breathe. And that's when they will, listen, if you don't divorce, you know, a situation like this, if you don't divorce for yourself, at least do it for your kids because they will repeat those patterns. This is this is their relationship model that you are handing them. Best case made for divorce, pro-divorce. Right, well, it, it, it comes yeah. back to my view, Pete, on this, where I talk to my clients 
about their relationship with their children. That's the interest. Mm -hmm. When you're getting a divorce, it's not the time that you get. It's what you do with that time. Mm -hmm. And when I talk about a relationship with your children, I'm talking about when they're eight and 10 and 18 and 20 and wait for it, 28 and 30 and on and on. Seth, this gets to something we've talked to in the past that just, I think, just clicked for me, which is why kids, older kids, like older teens, get so angry when they find out their parents had had a rough relationship and divorced but waited until they graduated from high school or college to do it. it and, and they're furious because... The kids already knew things were bad, right? I don't have a a lot of data on this, but my hunch is the kids already had that pattern. They already knew things were rough. Why were you lying to us about it the whole time? Absolutely. And that's where they kind of take it on on both. And the parent says, look, we did the best we could. Yeah. And there's then this stuff when they're later in life, right? Because look, I can go in and I'll litigate a case. No problem. It's harder to settle a case because people are relying on my advice and counsel. When I'm litigate, you want to take this position as long as it's not frivolous and I have a legal basis to do it, I'll go in there and I'll I'll carry that sword and I'll charge up that hill with you. And then I get to tell you that the judge got it wrong. Or I get to tell you, I told you we had a very slim chance of winning that argument. Okay. But when you're talking about kids and you're arguing for 50-50. And the offer on the table is that she has 60 and you have 40 or vice versa. If you can't build that relationship with your child having 40% of the time, let me tell you, the extra 10% isn't going to help you one bit. Let's, uh, let's pivot a little bit as we, as we get toward our, uh, the third act of our episode here, which is uh, rebuilding after somebody's. We've got the coach here. Let's talk about the coach. Coach, tell us a little bit about trust because so much of uh, successful separation seems to revolve around learning to trust again, trusting your senses, your instincts, yourself, uh, and rebuilding trust perhaps with your kids. How do you maintain this experience of trust or rebuild this experience of trust when it might be the failure of those instincts that got you to this place in the first place? I don't know. Let me know when the expert shows up who can tell us. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. kidding. Um, that's the next show. <laughs> that's the next show. Oh my gosh. No, I mean, it's such a great question, Pete. Like seriously, because it's so hard. Um, and even as a, as a coach and someone with, you know, over 20 years of personal development, deep, deep personal development work and therapy work and trauma work, I still struggle to trust myself and my instincts. I mean, but I will say, I think the only way through it is really through it and the really through to address and, and face head on the, the trauma work, the therapy work, the coaching work, you know, consume everything you can. And I don't mean just like listening to our podcasts, which are wonderful and they're informative and they're educational, but they speak to a particular part of our brain, right? So this this is educational, informative, speaks to our, our frontal cortex, which is one, which is great. The work that needs to be done is on the trauma centers in the brain that get triggered and take over. In a, in a crisis or when something happens that makes us scared. And so that work can't be done by reading books and listening to podcasts. We have to actually do the work with trained and licensed professionals. And 
the more you do that work, I mean, what happens in the brain, right, is that the more you do that work, the more you begin to make those connections between the the trauma center, the amygdala, and the prefrontal cortex, which is responsible for reason, you know, emotional intelligence lives up here. And the more work we do, we're able to sort of make those connections so that when we get frightened, we can go, okay, what's really happening? You know, you're triggered, take some time, get out, you know, and then you can, you know, remove yourself from the situation and then, and then assess. But if you don't do that work, you're constantly in that, that triggered state where you don't have the time and the space or the capacity to fully assess whether this is a trust, whether there, this is a trustworthy situation, you know, like I'm going to freak out on some person who's really well-meaning because they triggered something in me. Right. But like there, now I'm like, I can't trust you. Meanwhile, they're perfectly trustworthy, but I'm responding and reacting from my trauma. That's not, you know, so we have to do that work so that I can go, is he trustworthy? Is he not trustworthy? And Pete, I think the biggest thing that I'm hearing Kate say on this, which touches me, is you have to do the work. Do. You have to do. You're not going around it. You're not going, you know, (laughs) under it. You've got to do it. In my own personal experience, after I got divorced, which was, it's crazy to think about, it's 15 years ago. As people know that listen to the show, I'm very close with my former spouse. Um, But after we got divorced, I was like, I felt like I was living someone else's life. Like, this isn't how I had it mapped out. No. And I went and us. did the hard work. Mm-hmm. And I learned, one, how to be alone. I'm very social. I learned how to be alone and comfortable in my own skin. And I would I learned how to cook um, um, to learn because I needed to fill up time. And I didn't have a lot of money to go out at the, for restaurants. So I started learning how to cook. There's all these things that I did but also learned what were my triggers? How did they make me feel? Could I sense them coming on physically? Like my chest starts to get tight and it's a trigger for me. And right when I feel it, I now, instead of letting it just take over, I now can just kind of be like, oh, I feel it. What's happening? And I just do a quick, quick check-in with myself, deep breath, whatever it may be, just so I can be like, oh, okay, this really isn't about that person. This is about me. And, and how, how am I about to respond to this? And I'm not perfect at it. We all slip up. It's going to be something that people deal with every day of their lives for the remaining of their lives. Um, but you got to do the work. Amen. I, I, I really liked, uh, like this. And, and that Kate said, just listening to podcasts is not doing the work. Hopefully the podcast inspires you to do the work. And to talk to the people that you need to in, have on your team to help you do the stuff that it feels impenetrable. Uh, and you're doing the right stuff by the, and by all means, listen to more episodes oh, of our abs- podcast yes. <laughs> as many times as you need to. We're not saying that. Not at all. The education uh, is important. Listen and share right. broadly. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right. Right. Uh, but this does not equate to doing the work. And that's a, that's an important uh, part of this puzzle. Uh, this is this is great, Kate. Anything else that we uh, haven't covered that you feel like is really really important that you don't want to leave uh, our listeners left on this your first experience with the toaster of many? 
I hope so. I love you guys. I, gosh. <laughs> she nice. just met us, Pete. <laughs> like, oh, I, I know, right? I it's did. like, it's awesome. like the first date. We fit so well. We, fit so we know great. it's going to be great. You know, hey, I hear Seth likes to cook. Maybe he cooks steak, Maybe. you know? Like, we have so many no. hopes, hopes for this relationship. But. I just have to say right now, people don't know. We have a a fourth person on this call, uh, Andy Nelson, who just listens in the background and kind of helps us keep the thing. Andy is beside himself right now with that comment. He is full on head in hands, uh, does not know what to do. It's okay, Andy. We'll recover. And it's Andy Nelson of Uh, no relation. I've always wanted to say that. (laughs) (laughs) You guys, I I don't know that I have any other sort of... This has been such a great interview because we've gone in so many different directions and um, unexpected places and and the the deep, important places. So I I just so appreciate the conversation. I really do. And I just love that there are, you know, more and more of us out there having these conversations and doing this work because it's so, so, so important. Do the work. Well, we are deeply honored that you are here today. Uh, uh, Give us the plug. Where do you want people to go to learn more about you and your fantastic work? Well, thank you for that. Um, People can find me at the Divorce Survival Guide podcast anywhere you um, listen to podcasts. I'm at the Divorce Survival Guide. I'm also at the Divorce Survival Guide on Instagram and starting on TikTok. And <laughs> just because I feel like, you know, okay, boomer. All right. <laughs> um, and then I, uh, everything, links to everything is on my website, which is kateanthony.com. Beautiful. Kate Anthony, thank you so much for joining us on behalf of uh, Kate Anthony uh, and the good America's favorite family attorney. South Nelson's right there. So ridiculous. Shining, <laughs> he's a, a shining example of the field. I'm Pete Wright. We'll catch you next week right here on How to Split a Toaster, a divorce podcast about saving your relationships. Seth Nelson is an attorney with Nelson Coster Family Law and Mediation with offices in Tampa, Florida. While we may be discussing family law topics, How to Split a Toaster is not intended to, nor is it providing legal advice. Every situation is different. If you have specific questions regarding your situation, please seek your own legal counsel with an attorney licensed to practice law in your jurisdiction. Pete Wright is not an attorney or employee of Nelson Coster. Seth Nelson is licensed to practice law in Florida.